You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I am your host, Hayden Grove, and today we welcome back our tried and trusty Cavaliers beat reporter and, most importantly and most awesomely, new dad, Chris Fedor, still not back from his leave yet, but giving us some time um, today to talk Cavs. Chris, I'm so proud. I'm so proud of you. I'm so thrilled for you. I'm so thrilled for your wife, for your family. Like, what an awesome thing to become a dad. I mean, it's definitely a dream and a goal of mine. So, um, I, say what you want to say. Like, I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to def- like burst the bubble here. If if you want to keep things in house, that's fine. But I figured at least we could tell the people that you're a new dad. Yeah, new dad, little Elliot. Um... I couldn't be happier, man. It's it's the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life. He's brought us so much joy. Um, every single moment that we have with him has been a blessing. And I've been telling people, Hayden, that I'm exhausted because the sleepless nights and um, just the constant activity throughout the course of the day. But, like, it's the best feeling of exhaustion that I've ever had. Like, I've never been so tired in my entire life, and I've never been so happy in my entire life. So every single moment that I don't get to sleep is worth it because I spend time with him. It's it's just been a blessing and I couldn't be happier. And if there was any reason why I was going to leave the beat for six or seven weeks, there's no better reason that than him. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I couldn't be happier for you guys either. It's it's an awesome thing. And, um, you know, he's I, I can't wait to meet him one day and hopefully, you know, this COVID <laughs> thing goes away. So. Um, so, you know, you're not feeling risky out there, but certainly, I mean, I keep telling people, Hayden, I have no idea how I'm going to leave this kid. I have no idea how I'm supposed to get back on the beat and go to Chicago the day after the Cavs play Brooklyn on Monday, Monday is going to be my first game back. And then I go to Chicago and then I'm just supposed to like get back in the swing of covering this basketball team. That's been one of the best stories in the entire NBA. I have no idea how I'm going to do that. It's going to be really really difficult on me mentally and emotionally but um i guess you just have to jump right back in right yeah i mean you know i don't think there's a roadmap for that i don't think there's (laughs) a you know it's unfortunate that there's no kind of um you know there's no kind of guide for what you do and how you feel i mean you know i'm sure you listen you know i know that i'll be there to help if i can and you know the people around you the people with us at cleveland.com are certainly there to 
help and to to hear and to talk if you ever need. So I, I get it. I, I mean, I don't get it in that I've never had a kid, but I get where it would be very, very difficult to um, to you know to to leave that. I mean, that, like yeah. you said, it's the happiest thing that's ever happened to you. It's the best thing that's ever happened, and you're not leaving it. You're just taking little trips back. <laughs> you're not You'll never. That's, leave. That's, that's a good way to put it. But exactly. I'm at the point where if I go to the grocery store without him and I just leave him with mom, I miss him when I'm at the grocery store. And that's for about 45 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's amazing. I'm, I mean, that's that's the feeling you want. That's, that's <laughs> everything. And I'm sure, I mean, this is just the beginning. I mean, yeah, that'll be yeah. your whole life. So it's it's uh, it's it's definitely something wonderful. And, um, you know, as much as we're happy to have you back, I mean, yeah, I, I, I wish you could spend more time. And I hope you do spend as much time as possible with Elliot and um, with your wife and with your family. I mean, it's got to be an incredible, incredible time. Yep. All right. Well, obviously, first things first, he's most important and that's great. But there is a basketball team that uh, that you're going to get back to covering and I'm going to get back to covering soon. I, you know, the Browns are done here, so I'll probably see you at the arena here shortly. I'm, I think I'm I think I might do Monday's game. We'll see. Um, but Cavaliers continuing to do what they've done all year and surprise people and and take people by, um, you know, take people by surprise as they continue to win games. And they've already eclipsed, they eclipsed their 2021 or 2020. Yeah. 2021, 2020, 2021 win total already. They did it at the halfway mark of this season, which is 41 games. They won their 23rd game, eclipsing the 22 win mark from the 2021, uh, 2020, 2021 season. So, Tonight they play uh, as we record this. Uh, tonight I think they're in San Antonio. Yep, taking on the San Antonio Spurs, and then they play the Oklahoma City Thunder. They are already uh, on their well on their way to a successful six-game road trip. I think they're three and one at this point, and um, if they win the next two, they could be five and one on a six-game road trip, playing yep. you know two teams that are have not played super well. So, Chris, I know you've um, I know you have s- certainly kept your eye on the Cavs. I mean, it's impossible not to when you're in your position. Um, even, you know, with sleepless nights, whatever, I think it gives you more time to watch TV. Uh, but certainly a lot has gone on. I mean, what have you made of, you know, the continuance of this, of these winning ways for the Cavaliers? Yeah, I mean, I think that's just it, Aiden. Um, if you think back to last year, right, they got off to a really, really good start, and then everything just fell apart. The injuries were too much for them to overcome. Um there was natural regression that was going to come based on the way that they were playing. Uh, Andre Drummond took a big step back and, and he wasn't as effective as he was at the beginning of the season. So it's like there were little things that happened throughout the course of last year that derailed them, that kept them from getting into the play in conversation, what they were talking about throughout the course of last year. Um, the thing that stands out to me is that every time something pops up that you would think, all right, this is the thing that's going to set the Cavs back, right? This is the thing that's going to knock them further down the Eastern Conference standings. They've been over they've been able to overcome that and they've been able to like rally in the face of that. You know, the Colin Sexton injury was a big deal, obviously, but they found a way to get past that, right? They found a way to overcome that. The Ricky Rubio injury was devastating. He's one of the most irreplaceable players that they have on the roster but they've still found a way to function offensively. They've still found a way to win games. They were wrecked with a bunch of guys in the health and safety protocols, and that didn't stop them either. So that, to me, is the thing that really stands out, Hayden, is 
Like every time you think there's that thing that pops up that like, oh, this is it. This is the thing that stands in the way of the Cavs' progress. Like they've been able to overcome that. And it speaks to the depth on this roster. It speaks to the culture that they've instilled. And it speaks to, I think, the top to bottom organizational belief that they can be this team that rises up the Eastern Conference and, you know, makes the playoffs. Pretty remarkable. I mean, you know, the consistency that they've been on, everything that's happened this year. I mean, they've had some, they have. They've had diversity with Rubio and, and Tons. Colin Sexton. I mean, yeah, and they've been able to overcome all of it and win games in, in tough places. I mean, they've, they've won games in places they haven't won in years. Portland, right. uh, they won in Portland. They won in um, Utah. They won in Miami. I mean, they've won in places where they haven't won for even with LeBron. So it's, it's pretty <laughs> remarkable as to what's happening. And Something I also consider pretty remarkable is, you know, at the beginning of the season, we were talking about Kobe Altman. We were talking about, you know, is this is this the guy for the Cavaliers? Mm. Has he built the right roster? You know, is he on the hot seat? If this thing doesn't go well, could he right. be fine? And then, boom, this week, Kobe Altman uh, gets a contract extension. He's now that he gets a promotion. He's now the president of basketball operations. Um, I mean, pretty remarkable turnaround given that we were talking about him, you know, potentially being on the hot seat if things didn't go well. It's well-deserved. We'll start there. Yeah. I mean, if you look at this roster and if you look at this rise from the Cavs in the Eastern Conference, Kobe Altman's fingerprints are all over it. It started with the drafting of Colin Sexton, and then everybody said at the time, you can't draft back-to-back -back point guards or back-to-back -back guards. What are they doing? It should be Jarrett Culver or Cam Reddish instead of Darius Garland. Imagine where we would be right now with the Cavs. Imagine what the feeling would be with the Cavs right now if if they didn't go with Darius Garland, right? If they went with Jarrett Culver or they went with uh, Rui Hachimura because of positional fit or they went with Cam Reddish because of positional fit. So, like, Kobe has always stayed true to his own beliefs, and he has always said, this is the plan. We believe in the plan. It's going to take some time. But this gives him an opportunity to see it through. Right. Some of these guys get an opportunity, Hayden, to like be at the beginning of their plan and they don't get a chance to see it through. They don't get a chance to come out of the darkness and into the light. Now he has an opportunity to do it. And J.B. Bickerstaff is going to be there right there with him. And stability within an organization is really, really important, especially if you feel like there's a reason to latch on to that stability. Stability for the sake of stability is stupid, but stability that's warranted that you want to latch onto, then you start rewarding J.B. Bickerstaff and Kobe Altman. And this means that Kobe and J.B., who are on the same page, have the same vision, speak the same language, have a really, really good relationship, this means that they're going to be in lockstep. They're going to be able to see this thing through, and they're going to be able to navigate the Cavs for the next, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, however long it lasts. And having guys that are on the same page that are running this thing together, I think is really, really important for a team, especially when you talk about, you know, the lack of stability that has been within the organization in both post-LeBron eras. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the partnership between the two of them, I mean, you know, if this started... It started pretty rocky, not with J.B. Bickerstaff, but, you know, Kobe hired John Beeline. John Beeline, yep. And that did not, that really 
went south quickly and yep. it kind of fell in JB it kind of fell into his lap I mean yes it was always the plan to have JB there but I think it couldn't have worked out better in terms of when he got there and how he got his hands on those guys right away and the culture that he built and the culture that he instilled I think it's um they, they've had some definite some definite good fortune and um you know it came after some not so good fortune losing LeBron getting some tough draft you know lottery picks when you you know you had guys that you really wanted um it's it's pretty remarkable what they've done, and that's the keep that's the that's the word I'll keep on using is remarkable. I mean, this thing is, it seems very sustainable. It seems like the only tra- trajectory is upwards. I don't think it's going to turn downwards anytime. You're going to see steps from Darius Garland, Evan Mobley's going to continue to grow. Um, you know, Jared Allen, Larry, Larry Markkinen. I mean, they're all young kids. They're all in their twenties. So, um, yeah. it's it's I just see this thing continuing to go upwards. And, and speaking of uh, Jared Allen and Darius Garland. Uh, well, hold on. Before we get into that yeah. really quick, because because I think there's another layer to this whole thing about sure. Kobe getting a new job title and Kobe getting an extension. Sure. Um, and, and you brought up the John Beeline thing, and this is, yep. I guess, another layer to this, too. And that was a disaster. And this doesn't mean Kobe getting this promotion and this extension doesn't mean that everything that he has done has been right throughout the course of his time. You know, GMs, front office people are going to get things wrong. The hope is that they do more right than wrong. And I think you can say that with Kobe, because even in the case of the John Beeline situation, which, again, was a disaster, it was a big miss. But throughout that um, interview process, J.B. Vickerstaff was somebody that the Cavs really, really liked. And if not for hiring John Beeline, then it probably would have been J.B. But because of his relationship with Kobe— because of Bernie Bickerstaff's relationship with the Cavs organization, JB was willing to come to Cleveland as the lead assistant to John Beeline. And he turned down a job um, with the Sacramento Kings and his buddy Luke Walton because he believed in the organization, because he believed in Kobe. And because they had JB, they were able to move on from the John Beeline thing um, relatively easily. Mm -hmm. It could have been more painful if they didn't have somebody waiting to take over to transition into that spot. So I do think even in the midst of John Beeline, you have to give Kobe credit for getting J.B. Bickerstaff, for having him lined up to be the succession plan of John Beeline. And now you feel like J.B.'s the right guy. You know, Memphis looked at him, Houston looked at him as the guy to get us to the next guy. The Cavs are looking at him as the guy. And he's earned that based on what he's done as a head coach and based on what he was able to do with the Cavs and form those relationships and build those bonds with players, even during the John Beeline era. Um, And the other layer to this, too, is that, like, if you have Kobe in this role of president of basketball operations, that gives you an opportunity within the front office to promote from within and give opportunities to some of these other guys in the front office that weren't initially there. Because if you remember, the New York Knicks poached Brock Aller. Yep. Um, And just recently, the Portland Trailblazers took Andre Patterson. So when you have an organization like this with the Cavs that's seen by people around the league as doing it the right way, building through the draft, smart trades, and quite frankly, an up-and-coming team in the NBA that maybe down the road some some other teams are going to try and model, 
Um, you're going to have other teams around the NBA saying, we want your front office people. We want a piece of that. This is a way to kind of protect from that happening as much. And look, other teams around the NBA have taken notice of what the Cavs have done. And they've taken some of their front office people. And I think some of the other guys are getting looks as well. Assistant GM Mike Ganzi, salary cap guy um, John Nichols, uh, Brandon Weems, who is very, very important when it comes to the draft and, and the Cavs scouting. So now there's an opening at GM that the Cavs could fill internally if they want to. And if, let's say, it's Mike Ganzi who gets promoted from assistant GM to GM, now all of a sudden there's an assistant GM job. And it just allows for the the front office people to grow in this organization as opposed to like having to go to a different organization and grow that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, certainly I do. I mean, it reminds me a lot of the Cleveland Guardians situation with Chris Antonetti was the GM, mm -hmm. you know, became the president of baseball ops. Mike Chernoff became the general manager. Right. You know, you had guys continuing to go up and the Indian and the Guardians, that's uh, gonna be tough. The Indian the Guard <laughs> I did it again. The Guardians <laughs> The Guardians, I mean, you know, they you, the Cleveland baseball gonna, team. The Cleveland baseball team. They're still getting guys poached. I mean, Carter Hawkins right. is with the um I believe he's with the um, the Cubs now, and and there's you know other guys uh, with the Twins, and they're all over. Yeah, the place. Derek Felvey went to the Twins, Derek, right? Yeah, Felvey. Yes, exactly. I mean, so it kind of reminds me of that situation with you know with the Cavaliers that now okay they're kind of having the similar structure, and right. honestly, you know, having covered the Browns for a while, I could certainly see Andrew Barry one day doing the you know coming with right. the same thing, being the president of football ops, and then you allow guys like Queso and or Quasi and you know guys like that who are getting interviews now to move up in the system so it's a smart move yeah. by the cavaliers and it's a it's a move that i think a lot of organizations are, are doing if they really like the guy that's in charge of of managing you know the team and what they've done yeah. so I and, and i'm told over the next couple of days the discussions about what's going to happen at gm and are they going to promote from within like those are really really going to pick up and, and you saw today with the Cavs adding to their front office bringing jose calderon so yeah. This just opens up some job possibilities within so that guys don't feel like they have to go elsewhere um, to expand their roles and to grow. Are we sure that this Jose Calderon thing isn't to be like the backup to Rayshon Rondo? <laughs> <laughs> My man Jose looks like he can still ball. He can still, he can still ball. Come on. He it looks like he can. He's the guy who's going to be able to ball till he's like 70. Come on. And that basketball IQ, right? That doesn't yeah. go away. No, it doesn't go away. Exactly. So he could be like a pseudo coach. And if they, if, hey, Rondo, if something happens to Rondo, you never know. Hey, they need another playmaker. There's yeah. no doubt about that. There you go. Well, that, that goes perfectly into uh, what I was going to, you know, what we were going to bring up in a little bit, but might as well just bring it up now. Um, the trades, trade market. Cavaliers, I mean, obviously, they're looking to be a playoff team. They're looking to make a push here. Um, there are certainly pieces that they've been discussed uh, or been in, you know, rumored with, uh, Karis Levert, amongst mm -hmm. others. What do you see in the trade market, you know, now? And, and what do you say they need a playmaker? So where yeah. could they look for one? What could they be looking for? And where could they be looking for, uh, for a guy like that? Well, trade activity is going to pick up here. And, and part of that is more players of the NBA are now available to be traded. The other part of that is I think a lot of teams around the league, Hayden, they recognize who they are and what they can be and whether they can actually be a playoff team. So you have more finite 
sellers and and and, and buyers. Sure. Um, you saw yesterday with the New York Knicks and the Atlanta Hawks getting a deal done for Cam Reddish. I was told that, yes, even though that the Cavs had expressed interest in Cam in the past and they checked in on his availability with the Atlanta Hawks, one thing that I'm told from a source is that the intel that they got back was not flattering when it yeah. came to Cam Reddish. Um, that's part of it. And the other thing is, like, you have to look at his contract situation into the future. So it wasn't just the Knicks giving up a first-round pick. It was them giving up a first-round pick to potentially position themselves to give him a big contract into the future. So you had to give up assets in order to get him, and you had to be willing, potentially, to pay him into the future because he's going to be extension-eligible, um, and you're going to have to make a decision on that sort of thing. And I don't think the Cavs are positioned where, especially given what's going on with Colin Sexton, they have a decision to make on his contract, and Darius Garland being extension-eligible, they have a decision to make there as well. Um, I just don't think they wanted that that complicated situation on their hands for that particular player. Mostly, I believe it was, they feel like they have a good thing going within the locker room, and they didn't want to bring him. Uh, Cam is somebody who wants a bigger role. He has stated that publicly. And I think there are questions about how bringing that kind of player who is looking for a bigger role would have fit on a team like the Cavs, where all these roles are clearly defined, and if that would have shaken up some of the hierarchy. Um, and I just think there are other guys that are available um, on the trade market where you don't have those kinds of concerns. So... Are there it any made names? sense to me to look elsewhere than camp. Yeah. Are there any names outside of Karis? I mean, that... that oh, I, yeah. For sure. I mean, what are you hearing? Yeah, I mean, if, if the Nets make Joe Harris available, and I'm not saying that they're going to, but if they make him available, the Cavs would be very interested there. Terrence Ross is somebody who makes a lot of sense from Orlando. Uh, Dennis Schroeder makes sense from Boston, given what the Cavs would have to offer given what his salary is. Joe Ingles of the Utah Jazz is a name to watch for. Goran Dragic of Toronto. Um, I'm not sure that that Kyle Anderson would be moved by Memphis because of how good Memphis is and they're a legitimate contender in the Western Conference. But if, if they were willing to um, listen to offers on Kyle Anderson, I think that's somebody that would intrigue the Cavs. And then Eric Gordon of the Houston Rockets makes a lot of sense given his salary and what it would take in order to get him. So, like, those are the kinds of names that that I continue to hear linked to the Cavs. But I think they have to make a decision here, Hayden. Like, do they want a two-slash-three or do they want a three-slash-four? Because if you're talking about three-slash-four, then it's because you don't feel great about what Lowry Markinen is giving you. Mm-hmm. And you don't feel like he's going to break out of this funk that he's been in for much of the season. And then if you're talking about three slash four, you're talking more about Jeremy Grant, talking more about Harrison Barnes. Um, but if you talk two slash three, that's more shot creator, shot maker, playmaker. That's what I think the Cavs need more. Um, and you're talking about a different category of names, like I said, Terrace Ross, Eric Gordon, 
uh, Karis Levert, Buddy Heald, those types. Yeah, Buddy Heald's another name that's definitely interesting. I mean, they could they definitely want shooting. There's no doubt. I mean, that's yeah. why they'd be interested in Joe Harris. That's why they'd be interested in, you know, a bunch of the names that you mentioned. Um, I mean, when do you think these, these talks, I mean, is it just a deadline thing where it'll be, you know, towards the deadline where these talks really pick up? Or do you, could you see the Cavs making a move in the next couple of weeks? No, I mean, I think usually a deadline forces a team's hands. So we can start there. Um, but I think when there's a right deal out there and both sides are getting back what they want, then you see a deal get done. Right. Um, and I think it's a little bit complicated in the case of the Cavs because one of the things that you have to assess first and foremost, Hayden, is the trade assets. Mm-hmm. You have to start there. Okay, who are they willing to give up or what are they willing to give up and what kinds of teams are willing to take back what they're willing to give up? Darius Garland isn't going anywhere. Evan Mobley isn't going anywhere. Jared Allen isn't going anywhere. So if you take that as a premise, that really, I think, takes out of the equation the Ben Simmons type, maybe even Jeremy Grant, because I don't know that the Cavs would have the less leftover pieces, or at least the centerpiece, to be competitive um, with other teams for those top targets. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does so, make sense. So sure. now you have to like go down the list a little bit, and you say, all right, Isaac Okoro, like, yeah, he's part of the young core, but I think he's more on the fringes of the young core. Definitely. So in the right deal, I think Okoro is somebody that the Cavs could part with. I'm not saying that they want to, but like he's not as firmly established as Garland, Mobley, and Allen. You can say the same thing about Markinen, and you can say the same thing about Colin Sexton. But right. the truth is, I think the path to the Cavs getting an improvement, the most realistic path of them getting to um, whoever it is, Karis Levert, Dennis Schroeder, and eh, not Schroeder because he doesn't make enough money. Uh, let's say Eric Gordon, um, maybe even Buddy Heald. It's the expiring contract of Ricky Rubio and a first-round pick. Yeah. The question is, what does that get you? Or who does that get you? And does that make you the most competitive team? Because there are other teams that are going to be interested in Levert, right? There are probably other teams that are going to be interested in Eric Gordon. There are probably other teams that are going to be interested in Terrence Ross, maybe even Joe Ingles. So um, I think we have to look at this as who's the best piece that the Cavs can get for a package of Ricky Rubio's expiring contract and a future first round pick. That will be determined. I mean, that will certainly, you know, I I don't think the Cavs are going to sit on their hands here. I think they do make a move um, of some kind, you know, whether it be for those two, you know, assets or whatnot. But I I think that, you know, come, come the trade deadline, which is my birthday, by the way, February 10th. uh, Okay. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, Come the trade deadline, uh, they're going to make something happen. I, I, would you agree? I mean, I think that yes. I think probably more likely than not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a recognition within the organization that they definitely need to improve the roster and they do need another playmaker. And look, maybe Rondo steps up and he gives the Cavs more than what the Cavs think he can give. And he gives the Cavs more than what outsiders think he can give. But to me, that Rondo move, while smart, 
and he brings a lot of the similar traits that you like from Ricky Rubio. That was just a, we're going to buy ourselves a little bit of time to assess the market further. We need somebody desperately right now. We can't get by with Kevin Pangos and Brandon Goodwin. We need somebody like Rubio. So Rondo fits that, but it just gives them more time to explore the market and see if there's something a little bit better out there. Yeah, and it makes a lot. I mean, that move made a lot of sense for a lot of reasons, and I think that's one that people aren't bringing up. They gave up nothing. It's yeah, it, they gave up nothing, and it gives you time. It, it's a, it's right. definitely a time buyer. Um, shortly after the trade deadline on my birthday, the uh, NBA All Star Game coming to Cleveland. It's gonna keep saying that. Yeah, I'm just gonna keep saying that, right? And um, there's a possibility. There's a possibility that the Cavaliers could have a couple of representatives. So when we get back. We will talk about the possibility of maybe Jared Allen, maybe Evan Mobley, maybe Darius Garland being representatives of the Cleveland Cavaliers in the All-Star Game. We'll be right back with the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. I am Hayden Grove, joined this week once again by Chris Fudor. We've been talking about all things Cavaliers lately, the Kobe Albin contract extension, potential trade pieces for the Cavaliers. And we just mentioned it before the break there. The Cavaliers could have some representatives representing them at their home arena right here in Cleveland for the 2022 All-Star Game. So a lot of it is fan vote, and I don't think the Cavaliers are going to have, you know, anybody in the in the starting five in regards to the fan mm-hmm. vote. But, but I think there's a possibility that they get at least two All-Stars in there um, starting with Darius Garland, Jared Allen. And then there's a little bit of a push for Evan Mobley. I think that's probably a little early. Um, but I, I don't see why Darius Garland and Jared Allen could not be in the All-Star game and should not be in the All-Star game. Trying my best to figure out how to best say this. Darius Garland and Jared Allen are both All-Stars. Yes. They've played that way. They are very much deserving of that consideration. There's no doubt that they've been two of the better players in the Eastern Conference. So they deserve to be all-stars. The problem is, yes, there is a big butt coming. Yes. So the problem is, right. there are only 12 spots, Hayden. And we see it every single year, whether it's in the MVP conversation, first-team All-NBA, second-team All-NBA, first-team All-Defense, or even All-Star. There are guys who play like all-stars and are worthy of being all-stars that aren't all-stars. Yeah, they just don't make the game. So I think that's the situation that Darius is probably more than likely going to find himself in. Okay. He is worthy of all-star consideration, but it's a numbers game, right? Yes. I, I think we have to look at it that way. There are only 12 spots, so there are for sure four backcourt spots available and there can be up to six backcourt spots because the final two spots are wild cards. Right. So let's look at it that way. Okay. For some reason, and I don't know why, but on the official NBA all-star ballot, the one that I received in my email, um, because I have a vote again this year and you mentioned it, Fans' votes count for 50% towards selecting the five starters from each conference, right, including the two captains. And then players and media count for 25% each. So I am one of those with a vote. 
and I was looking at the official ballot. And for some reason, even though he's played every single game at forward this year, DeMar DeRozan of the Bulls, who is in the MVP conversation, um, is only listed as a backcourt player. You can only select him to be a backcourt guy. Hmm. That hurts Darius. That does, yes. Point blank. That hurts Darius. Because yes. I thought I was just going to finagle my way of putting DeRozan as a frontcourt guy and free up another backcourt spot. So let's just look at it honestly. Both Bulls backcourt players are in, right? They're the number one team in the Eastern Conference, and both of them are having awesome years. And I would argue that they're having better years than Darius. Right. So DeRozan and Levine are in. There's two backcourt spots gone right off the rip, right? Okay, Trey Young, James Harden, they're probably in too. Right. There's the next two backcourt spots gone. Now all you have left are wildcard spots. And that can either be backcourt or frontcourt. And there are only two of those. So does that mean Drew Holiday? Or does that mean Darius Garland? Right? Does that mean Fred Van Vliet? Or does that mean Darius Garland? Does that mean LaMelo Bull? Or does that mean DG? Does that mean Jalen Brown? Or does that mean DG? Does that mean Bradley Beal? Or does that mean DG? So I just think because of the limited number of backcourt spots and how crowded that is, like, I don't think Darius gets in. Right. Well, looking at the NBA site right now um, and the and the fan voting, I mean, obviously fan voting is, you know, only part of it. But the guards that they list, I mean, DeMar DeRozan is number one. He's going to be in, obviously. Trey Young yes. is going to be in. Um, Zach Levine is going to be in. James Harden is going to be in. That's four. And then the next, the next from five to nine are are, are players you mentioned. James or Lamella Ball, Kyrie Irving still getting fan votes, although he hasn't certainly has not earned an All Star appearance this year. Derrick Rose getting a lot of fan votes. Fred Van Vliet getting a lot of fan votes, and then Darius Garland getting a lot of fan votes. So Darius Garland has two hundred twenty-seven thousand. Fred Van Vliet has three hundred fifty thousand. Fan votes right now. So you're right. I mean, between five, I'm going to take Kyrie Irving out of the situation. Um, Lamelo Ball, Derrick Rose, Fred Van Vliet, Fred Van Vliet, Darius Garland. I mean, yeah, it's tough. I mean, maybe I don't know. Maybe the, the voters are will be like, well, Cleveland, maybe Darius deserves to get in, or you know, maybe it's just based on merit and it's not it's not Darius. So I guess the thing is like maybe Darius could be an alternate at least. <laughs> I mean, something like that. I mean, here's the thing. What happens with a fan vote after the starters doesn't matter. Right. Right. No, that's important. Then it comes down to coaches. That's important. Do you think the coaches would vote for Darius over Van Vliet? I do not. Okay. I don't think I could. Right. That's fair. Again, this is nothing against Darius. It's just the position that he plays it's it's really not guard. It's backcourt, according to the all-star voting, the official ballot. Right. It's just really, really loaded. I'm supposed to put Darius in over Van Vliet? Yep. Right? Yeah. I'm supposed to put Darius in over Drew Holiday? That's tough, man. That's yep. really tough. And again, this happens every single year. How many times did we have the conversation about Devin Booker has played at an all-star level for the Phoenix Suns, but he's not an all-star because there's just not enough space for him. Or Zach Levine has played at an all-star level for whatever team it was on, but right. there's not enough space for him. 
Right. No, you're you're absolutely right. It's tough. I mean, is there a situation where Darius Garland could be in the three point shootout or something? Yeah, I think that's possible. Yeah. The skills contest, I think, is possible. Right. And I think given the way that it's set up, right, I think Jared Allen has a better chance of getting in the all star game than Darius. Yeah. Because I, you take three front court players um as starters and you take three front court players as backups and one of those front court players could also get one of those wild card spots right so the only guys that are for sure in in terms of front court Giannis in KD in Embiid in yeah listen I don't I don't think there's any way they keep Jared Allen out I don't I, I, I just... think there's a way for sure I just I don't think there's enough competition in the front court as there is in the back court. I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep my stance. I don't think there's any way that they <laughs> keep Jared, that they keep Jared out. I mean, I, you know, given that it's in Cleveland, I just think that, that it's gonna be there's gonna be some pull there, and you know, be it through coaches or whatever. I mean, I just think that people are people and they want to see you know cool stories. So I think Jared Allen deserves to be in, and I think he will be in. Okay, but how about this? What if the the reserves in the front court go Jimmy Butler, very much deserving, was in the MVP conversation before he dealt with a bunch of injuries. Jason Tatum and Domas Sabonis. What if those three are the reserves and now you're down to two wild card spots between LaMelo Ball, Darius Garland, Fred Van Vliet, Bradley Beal, Jared Allen, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Jalen Brown. I'm still thinking that he gets in some, some, I mean, come on. It's like, you gotta have, if the Cavs don't have an all-star representative in their home city with the, with like, with everything they've done this year, that's, that's bad. Come on. You gotta I think Allen gets in. I think Allen gets in. But this idea that there isn't a path to keeping him out, I would say is. There's, okay. There shouldn't be a path to keeping him out. Is, I guess my point. Like, come on. There are a lot of good frontcourt players. There are a lot of good backcourt players. Not everybody who plays at an all-star level gets in the all-star game. It's Chris, unfortunate, but it's a reality. Chris, this is about this is about like, okay. If this was like the MVP conversation where like it's it's not that an all-star game isn't legit, but like there there are more politics involved with an all-star game. Like, come on, <laughs> like give a little leeway here. We're not talking about like, you know, all NBA first team, like there have been all-star players that have certainly been less deserving that have gotten to the all-star game than, than Jared Allen this year. So the Cavaliers, I think are doing a good job of campaigning for him too. I mean, I, I just don't see a way, but who knows? Like you said, you never know. You never, One of the ever. questions that I'm going to ask, maybe even Billy Donovan, when I go to Chicago, I'm going to ask because, you know, coaches have a vote in this sort of thing when it comes to the reserves. I'm going to ask how much he considers where the game is being played when making his selection. Oh, he'll say zero. I know he will. He'll say zero. I'm, I'm guessing Popovich is looking at it the same kind of way, and maybe yeah, even yeah. Steve Kerr. Yeah, I mean, they'll say zero. But in reality, if Bickerstaff gives him a call, it's like, hey, man. Like, <laughs> come on. Like You know JB's going to call. He's going to call all his buddies for sure. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's my whole point, that this is politics. It, this isn't like this isn't like everybody hunkers down in their own room. This is JB on the phone being like, "Listen, man, come on, you can't get my guy in. Like, give us a give us a shot. Like, that's that's what I'm saying. It's 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 a little less it's a little more easygoing than like a 
you know, th and then something more serious, like an MVP or a, something like that. You know what I mean? If I was picking reserves, Jared Allen would get in. All right. I'm well, not picking reserves, though. I can only choose starters based right. on my ballot. Well, then you don't even have to worry about it. So there you go. You just pick your starters and you move on. But yeah. it'll be exciting to cover the game here in Cleveland. Absolutely looking forward to it. Speaking of which, I got to run. I have a meeting in regards to something that potentially could be happening on All-Star Weekend. I'll keep you guys posted. Um, oh. I'll, keep you, I'll keep you posted, Chris. Could be pretty fancy. Uh, yeah, pretty fancy. It'll be it'll be interesting. So we appreciate you coming on despite your PTO. We appreciate your insight. And most importantly, we are thrilled for you. Um, thrilled for you, for Elliot, for your wife, for your family. It's an amazing thing. And uh, I can't wait to meet the little guy. And can't wait to see you soon, my friend. Yep. Sounds good, man. I can't wait to introduce you to him. He's very uh, loving. I I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm looking forward to it, seriously. So thank you, everyone, for joining us on the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. We appreciate you. Be sure to sign up for Chris's updates, his analysis, his insights. $3.99 a month. All you got to do is go to cleveland.com slash Cavs. Click on the blue banner at the top of your page. Enter your phone number, and boom, you will get all kinds of insight analysis news straight to your phone before it goes anywhere else. So be sure to do that, cleveland.com slash Cavs. And we will be hearing a lot more from Chris, myself, as we go forward. And the Cavaliers continue their season. They're on the road for two more games tonight against the Spurs and then this weekend against the um, Oklahoma City Thunder. So appreciate you guys. Have a beautiful weekend. And we will talk to you next week on the Wine Gold Talk podcast. Take care. Talk soon.